You know, this, uh, this is for the older people in the crowd. There was a guy whose name was Paul Harvey. And he used to tell, uh, he had a radio show that was on every week, every day actually. And he would always tell some interesting fact and story and put it in a real interesting way of something that we didn't know that had to do usually with a famous person or a famous event. And so you, you just, it was kind of like the backstory of that event or that person that most people don't know. And then at the end of his show, he would say, now you know what? How many of you, what would he say? Now you know the rest of the story. Was really, even as a kid, I enjoyed that because I was amazed at the facts that you never knew that he brought to the front. And you know, when it comes to Christmas, I feel like there's a lot of backstories that go with Christmas that often we don't talk about or think about, and that uh, we usually focus on the fact that Jesus was born to die. And that's so true. He was born to die so that we could have a new life. But there are so many other interesting backstories to why Jesus was born beyond that that we want to focus on this Christmas. That's why I'm calling this series The Rest of the Story. It's the rest of the story of Christmas. It's the rest of the story of why Jesus was born other than just to die. In today's message, is really going to kind of close up our series, even though Josh is going to be a little bit that direction next week as well. But uh, it's going to kind of close us up the series we've just been doing called The People of Promise. And we're going to open up our Christmas series, which we're calling The Rest of the Story. So today has a, a double purpose. And those of you that were here with that series that now understand these promises that God has made by means of covenant, you're going to better understand the backstory the next few weeks because that really plays in uh, to what, why Jesus was born. Matter of fact, my glasses are so bad I can't see my notes, so if i got to do this a little bit today, please forgive me. I've been trying to put it off getting glasses. I think I'm going to get them sooner than I thought. But for instance, how about the Davidic covenant? You remember that God made a covenant. He made promises with David that from your seed, from your line is going to come a king who's going to be a forever king over a forever kingdom, and he's going to reign forever. And we call that king the Christ, the the. Hebrews, the Jews called him the Messiah. And as we read the Old Testament, this promise about this king that was coming, this Messiah, this Christ, I love the way that Isaiah chapter 9 talks about this. I have a PowerPoint for that. For a child we will be born to us, a son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David 
and over his kingdom. You know, the first half of the verse, we recognize he's talking about Jesus' birth, the son that was going to be given to whom the government would rest on his shoulders. And then we find, find out that this son happens to be the one who's going to fulfill those promises to David. There'll be a king that's going to rule and reign over a kingdom forever. And this is where really Christmas and the covenant promises intersect. Because Jesus, the Christ, the one the Jews were looking for and waiting for to come and fulfill these promises, is coming to be born. And so we see the covenant promises that God made with Abraham, with David and Israel, and the coming of Christ intersecting the two together. And then when you turn to Matthew chapter 1, open your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, look on with somebody who's near you. Uh, we're going to look close at Scripture today, and we're going to see some amazing things. Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament, the very first verse, connects Jesus as being the seed of Abraham and the seed of David, the, the child who would come from that line to be the Messiah. So listen to Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the promised king, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Go down to verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, from David to the deportation to Babylon is 14 generations, and from the deportation of Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. The birth of Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, the one who came to fulfill the covenant promises that we've been studying about for the last number of months. But there's been one question that we haven't answered yet that has come to me the most in this series. What about us, the church? We've learned a lot about Israel. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when you read the Old Testament, if you keep it in context, it really is a Jewish book, and Israel really is the center of the story there. Obviously, God's the center of the story, but Israel is the program and the people God's working with at that time. And I'm so encouraged that so many have asked that question, what about the church? Because you know what? That means you followed me. You followed me accurately that the covenants really were made with Abraham, with David, and with Israel, and not with the church, nor with any individuals or with humankind today, as some people would tell you. We've tried to be honest to the scripture, and that was one of my goals here, is to help you better understand the scripture as you understand the covenant program of God. And we try to be honest to the Old Testament text of what the original author meant when he wrote this, and not read back into it, uh, New Testament theology, not trying to read back into it um, 
maybe different than New Testament theology, I should say, is our personal theologies and our systematic theologies. We didn't try to squeeze applications out where applications didn't belong, but we tried to be honest to the text. And these covenants were made with David and Abraham and Israel, not with the church. So what about us? And that's the rest of the story in the birth of Jesus that I want to address this morning. And I'm going to tell you right up front, my answer to the question is very simple. Matter of fact, we put it on the screen for everybody to see. The church, our heirs of and participate in the covenant promises through Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to show you that in the scripture today, but I do want to do this. I just got to say this. The church are heirs. Some people might say the church is heirs, and I wrestle with that all week because I know that there's some grammar police here at Moraine that once in a while call me out on that. I did look it up. Church is a collective noun, which means it's a singular, but it represents a group of people. And you can use the word either is or are. So I'm going to save you an email for the grammar police (laughs) and tell you I already checked it out. And actually, I, I, I switched the PowerPoint back and forth, I don't know how many times, but I landed on R. So the church, our heirs of and participate in the covenant promises through Jesus. That's what I want to show you this morning. But before we do that, what is an heir? We need to understand what an heir is. And I've got to be honest with you, before I became an heir, I had a hard time understanding it. And there's many in this room that have become heirs, and there's some that haven't yet, that it still seems like a stretch for you as to what is an heir. An heir is someone who inherits the possessions normally of their parents when they die. They pass them on to them. They will them to them. They're the ones that get them when they die. But you know, it's interesting I want you to think about Queen Elizabeth died recently. Prince Charles was an heir, and he got more than possessions, didn't he? He got a position that he inherited. He got privileges that he inherited. He had rights that he inherited, as as well as the possessions that he inherited. And when we consider ourselves as heirs, we got to look more at the way that it happened to King Charles than the way that it happens to us as parents. Because as heirs, that we're going to see in Scripture here, we have not only received possessions, and most of those are future possessions in the kingdom that we'll be able to enjoy, but we also have rights that we receive right now, We have new positions that we have right now that we didn't have now. We have privileges, and all of these we've inherited through Jesus Christ. So let's look at this in Ephesians chapter 2. Turn to your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at two passages, two different passages today to show this, and I hope that it becomes very clear to us that we get to participate in these covenant promises we've been talking about through Jesus. I'm in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. 
And he's going to start off talking about the condition of the Gentile believers before they knew Jesus. Now, a Gentile, if you're not familiar with that word, basically means non-Jew. And so uh, the scripture kind of broke up the world into two groups of people. There were the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews and the non-Jews. Everybody else that has been born physically that was not born a Jew is considered a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. And I'm a, a mutt of a Gentile in the sense that I'm a mixture of different. Some people are purebreds, you know, that both their parents are of the same nationality. But Gentiles is anybody that's been born physically that is not Jewish. And so listen and watch for the five things that were true of the Gentiles before they knew Jesus. And so this is what's true of me and true of you if you're not a Jew in this room this morning before you knew Jesus. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands. In other words, the Jews call the Gentiles uncircumcised. That's what he's saying there. Remember that you at that time were separated from Christ, the Messiah, the coming King. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. You weren't part of this group of people called Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. That's our big thing. We've been doing that in the series, looking at all the promises of the covenants. We were strangers. We weren't included in that. We've seen that throughout the series. We were strangers to the covenants of promise. We had no hope and we're without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, everything changed with Jesus. And now in Christ Jesus, you Gentiles, we Gentiles, who formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Those of us that were separated from the Christ, we've been brought near to the Christ now as Gentiles. He's not just the Christ of the Jews. He's the Christ of the Gentiles. He's the Christ for all of us. He's all our Messiah now. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip over excluded from the Commonwealth of Israel for a moment. Now we're near to the covenants of promise. We're no longer strangers to that, but we've been brought near to the covenant promises. We now have hope and we now have God in our lives. But the fact that um, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, he takes the next few verses to tell us and explain that that's the one of the five that we did not be brought near to. In other words, what you're gonna see here in a moment, Gentiles were not made into Jews. We did not become a part of the nation of Israel. Matter of fact, Gentiles didn't replace Israel, but rather we've been joined together and unified with them in Christ. So listen to what he says here in verses 14 and 15 as he talks about that one that we weren't brought near with. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups in 
to one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man. Look at down to verses 18 and 19. For through him we both, both Jews and Gentiles, have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers. Strangers to what? Strangers to the covenant promises. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. God has done a whole new thing through Jesus. It's Jews and Gentiles coming together as one new entity, one new community, one new commonwealth, if you will. It's one new body of Christ. It's the church. It's you and me. We have been brought near to the covenant promises through Jesus as members of his church, as being in Christ. It's kind of like if you drink your coffee black and you like to put cream in it. And let's say that the Jews were the coffee and the um, Gentiles were the cream. And when you put in your cream and stir the two together, it is absorbed, and no longer is it black coffee or white cream, now it's brown. And that's what has happened is the church. There's a whole new identity. It's not that the Gentiles have become Jews and so now we get in on these promises. It's not that the Jews have become Gentiles, but it's a whole new community called the church made up of Jews and Gentiles. Now this is something that wasn't revealed in the Old Testament. Go on to chapter 3 for a second. Starting in verse 1, he says this, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you. In other words, Paul's saying, guess what? My ministry was to you Gentiles. God has given me a ministry to the Gentiles. That's my stewardship. And that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Look at down in verse um, 8 and 9. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. You know what he's saying? This is Paul saying this. A mystery in Scripture, by the way, it's not something that's kind of mysterious in my mind. It's just I can't get it. A mystery in Scripture means it's something that God didn't reveal in the Old Testament times, but now he's revealing in the New Testament times. And that's what we just read. For ages, God had hid this. But Paul's ministry was to make known to the Gentiles the fact that what we just learned in this passage in Ephesians chapter 2, and he gets very specific about this in verse 
um, verse 6. Look at what he says. Now, now here's the mystery. Specifically, here's the mystery that he was given to preach. That the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Fellow means they simply were the same group with equal status and equal rights. And what he's saying as heirs, that means that we are recipients of the inheritance. The inheritance are all these promises that God had given to Israel. And now as part of the church, not because we become Israel or not because the Gentiles, so we're the Jews and Gentiles are one new thing. We're the brown coffee now, sort of say. There's no second class citizens in the kingdom of God. And by the way, I say kingdom of God, I believe that the church in this time is God's expression of his kingdom. And he's working through the church where Jews and Gentiles are fellow heirs with, with equal rights and equal status when it comes to the promises that we're to inherit. We're fellow members of the body. We're both in the body together, Jews and Gentiles, no matter what nationality you are. We receive one nationality at birth, of our physical birth, but at our new birth, we become one in Christ and there's a whole new identity as this brown coffee that we are now. And we are members who have equal status and equal rights with one another in the church of Jesus Christ and we're partakers of the promise in Christ. Guys, Jesus is our Messiah too. <laughs> and the promises he made to Israel are our promises too. And the promises he made to David and Abraham, we get to join into and become ours because we're fellow heirs, fellow members, and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ. This was the ministry that Paul was given. This was the mystery that was the heart of his preaching to help him know that, you know, I think there's a watershed moment in the scripture that takes place in Acts chapter two when the church is born. And what had happened up to that point is God's program, you might say, had a Jewish flavor to it. And starting in Acts two, something happened where now the black coffee became brown coffee where it has a flavor that in Jesus Christ, we together, whether you're a Jew or Gentile, we come together as co-members, equal status, full rights, full privileges, full promises together. I don't know about you, that excites me. Now I know I'm a little bit off when I get excited about these things, but this is amazing truth when you consider the scripture and what God is doing. Turn to Galatians chapter three. Let's take a look at this in another passage. We're gonna start in verse 13 and 14 and we're gonna see again the fact that we in Christ move into these promises. Starting in verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. That was Jesus died for us. In order that, 
in Christ Jesus. Here's the difference. This is a person. This is not a Bible verse. This is not a phrase. We're talking about the person of Jesus. When you come to Christ by God's doing, when you believed in the gospel, you were put into Christ. And in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, we learned about that, might come to the Gentiles. How do we get it? Not because the covenant was made with us, but because of Jesus and our relationship with him. I'm going to stop and say this. I've had people along the way say they feel I feel cheated. There's no covenant made with me. You know, there's no covenant with the church. It seems like, you know, like, but I got to tell you, in my mind, like, like Jesus said, someone greater than Solomon is here. Someone greater than the temple is here. Somebody greater than the covenants is here. I think we are privileged to be able to enter into these promises through Jesus himself rather than some kind of special covenant God made with me. And But we can say that these promises that we're reading today and these truths we're reading today are made with us, the church. And then in Christ Jesus, the person of Jesus, when I was placed in him by the Spirit of God at the moment I believe, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We inherited the covenant promises through Jesus. Now look down at verse 16. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. We saw that in Genesis. He does not say, and to seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed, that is Christ. So the promises were spoken, we gotta understand this, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to Jesus. Look down at verse 19. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator, until the seed, you know who that is, Jesus, would come to whom the promise had been made. The promises were made with Abraham and with Jesus. They were spoken to Abraham and to Jesus. And now look at down in verse 28. This is the truth we just learned in Ephesians 2 and 3. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. I'm still a male. I'm still a mutt. But you know what? I have a deeper identity than that. I haven't lost who I am when I was born physically, but who I am spiritually is now I'm one in Jesus Christ. My spiritual identity that we all together now are one in Christ. That's the church and if you, verse 29, belong to Christ, if you're in Christ, in Christ simply means this. We got a carpet here. I know some of you down there in the back can't see it. Some of you on the sides and up there can see it. We have a small carpet here where the worship team is. We'll call that Christ. Outside of that carpet is outside of Christ. If you're in here, you're in Christ. God has poured all his blessings on Jesus. And if you're in Jesus, guess what? The, the, like a shower, it comes down on the head. And what does the water do? It runs down on the whole body. God has blessed and poured his blessing and his promises out in Jesus. And if you're in Jesus, guess what? 
they're poured out and you get blessed as well. If you're outside of Jesus, you need Jesus today so you can get into Jesus and get in on all these promises and blessings that come in being in the church. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's, and I'm going to say this as it is in the Greek, you are Abraham's seed. It's not plural descendants. You are Abraham's descendant. Heirs according to promise. Brothers and sisters, we get in on the promises that God made with Abraham, with David, with Israel, through Jesus. You know, I... Put up that PowerPoint, Pete, a visual that I'm hoping might help us. Uh, it, no, actually, the other one, there should be a, uh, I think I changed the order on you, brother. Hopefully on this big screen you can see this. I'm going to turn around so I can see it too. But you know, this. thank you, Joel Brassfield, again, for his work on putting this together. We saw in the Abrahamic Covenant, God, the... the the promise that seems to go from beginning to end of Scripture and through the covenants is God said, I'll be their God and they will be my people. And in the Abrahamic covenant, we saw basically that God promised the land, a seed of the blessing, and that in a seed all the nations would be blessed. The Mosaic law was given until the cross as God set up a principle with Israel that I'm going to deal with you. If you obey me, I'll bless you. If you disobey me, I'll curse you. If you repent, I'll restore you to blessing. The Deuteronomic covenant was given to guarantee that God will regather Israel to the land even in spite of their disobedience. The Davidic covenant is what we talked about today where God said that he was going to give them a king forever who would reign forever over forever kingdom. And then the new covenant was the one of blessings where he's going to bless you with a new heart and he's going to forgive your sins and he'll place the Holy Spirit inside of you and that you'll be in fellowship with God. All these were given to Israel. And the reason it goes through the cross, the Mosaic Covenant of the cross, these lines go through the cross in this red box here, which is called the Millennial Kingdom, which we learned last week in Acts chapter 3, that, or two weeks ago, that we saw that Jesus must remain in heaven until he returns to fulfill all those promises that were made to the prophets in the Old Testament. And it's at that time in the kingdom where Jesus will return and Israel will be in the land. Uh, the seed will be reigning as their king. They'll be blessed and all the nations will be blessed. Now the bottom one, the purple one, that's about us. In his seed, all the nations bless. Well, guess what? We learned today Jesus is the seed, the church in Christ, all nations, Jews and Gentiles are blessed. And we enter in to these same covenant promises in that kingdom through Jesus Christ. Hopefully that visual helps you see it, but we didn't become Jews, we didn't replace the Jews, but rather God has got a whole different thing called the church. And through Jesus Christ, you and me get to enter into all these promises and we'll see in weeks to come, some have already started. We know the new covenant promises, the spiritual aspects of that were already, Dave talked to us about that. Uh, Dan talked to us about the kingdom of God that's already beginning. We know there's going to be a literal earthly one in the future, but there's aspects to these promises that are taking place now we'll look at in the next few weeks. But I guess this, this, this is what blew me away at the end. We are 
co-heirs together, fellow heirs with the Jews, right? Well, there's something bigger and better than that. Listen to Romans chapter 8. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with who? Say it out loud. Who are we fellow heirs with? Christ. Isn't that even bigger than being fellow heirs with the Jews? We are fellow heirs with Christ. The things that God promised to Jesus and he made with Jesus, we just saw in Galatians 3, become ours not only because we are fellow now in this new church heirs with the Jews and Gentiles together as one, but we are one with Jesus Christ. We're a co-heir with Jesus. What God promised to Jesus, he promised to us. And if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. This is an amazing truth. Jesus allows us to share in his glory. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but Christmas, the birth of Jesus is way more than just getting saved. He gave us the gift of the church with his coming and with his birth and as he came. And with that gift of the church, that's part of the rest of the story that sometimes we don't talk about at Christmas but through Jesus. And when you think about the gift of the church, Kim and I talked about this morning. Thank you, Kim. You, you, think of that. Part of the Christmas gift that God gave to you through Jesus is we together. We're the church. Not just the covenant promises, but we know from scripture, the church is here to build one another up. We're all different. We have different gifts. We have different you know, purposes. We have different makeup. We have different ministries. And that's part of God's gift to the church. And to you and me is that we have each other and it's all because of Jesus. In Jesus, the church was born. And it's a whole new entity, a whole new commonwealth, if you will. It's a whole new program of God that's going on right now that he's doing through the church of Jesus Christ. And so as the birth of Jesus brings the covenant promises together, I think right now, Thanksgiving weekend, Christmas and the covenants all come together as we worship Jesus and the fact that he's come to be with us, God with us. Worship team, would you lead us in worship? And Father, I just, I pray that these truths would explode on our heart. That Lord, we've been doing weeks of hearing of these amazing promises. And Lord, I pray this morning that we would recognize that the person of Jesus, God himself, were co-heirs with him. And Lord, that you have made him our Messiah, that the promises he made to Israel become our promises. Lord, thank you we now have hope. Thank you that we now have the spirit of Jesus living in us to guide us day by day, to enable us, to restrain us, Lord, whatever our need is. I just wanna say thank you for giving us Jesus. And thank you for giving us one another. And thank you for making us co-heirs with your son, Jesus. It's in his name I pray, amen.